Hey everyone, and welcome to episode 210 of Final Fantasy Union. I am your host, Daryl, and I'm here with Lauren. Hi, everyone. It's going to be a great episode. Oh, yeah, totally. That wasn't very convincing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm just quoting um, the Kool-Aid guy. He bursts through the bursts through the wall and goes, "Oh, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh but, oh no, naughty, naughty." That's a good little reference for you if you happen to listen to Dean Cook back in the day. I did not, oh. and I don't think we even had Kool Aid in this country, Possibly so not. I'm striking out twice. There. Then the uh, then the statement "Don't drink the Kool Aid" is uh, is completely lost on you. Well. It still seems to be used quite a lot over here, though. I think it's kind of transitioned, even though no one really knows what it's referring to. <laughs> Do you know what it's referring to? A drink of some mm, kind. It is, but... Hence, don't drink the Kool-Aid. You don't drink the Kool-Aid because the Kool-Aid is what they used. Uh, I think it was Charles Manson used. Uh, oh, no. No, no, sorry. So even you there's don't a, know the reference. Uh, there's a cult. There's a cult where they all drank, they all drank the Kool-Aid... And uh, they all died together. Well, that's pleasant. Yeah. Um, so you know, Final Fantasy, I don't <laughs> think has anything too related to that, but yeah. it may do. Yeah. Yeah. But that's just your history lesson for you. I mean, if we're talking about things that made where they drunk stuff and people died, there mm. is, of course, that scene in Final Fantasy VI. Mm. All drank the water. They died. Yeah, it's very true. Um, so that's how we're referencing pop culture into Final Fantasy this episode. Yeah, it's people, people's temple movement. Sounds great. So don't believe people who say that uh, the world's going to end. So um, <laughs> today we're going to be talking about who is the Final Fantasy best girl. Mm. Someone suggested it as a joke question, but I thought, you know what? Joke's we're on gonna you. We're going to do it. We're going to do it. We're going to talk about the best girl. That's actually been quite a few. So we're going to... Try to narrow it down and, and talk about who we think is the best. Yeah. We then got a load of questions, which all seem to relate to Final Fantasy 16. Uh, we obviously had our Final Fantasy 16 episode a couple of episodes back, but you know. <laughs> it takes people a minute to catch up. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> people obviously want to know about it. Yeah. And they want to talk about good. it. So we're going to be getting onto that in a bit too. Ooh. Before we do though, we are first going to have some shout outs for our executive producers who are supporting us on Patreon. And the first one is Nahi Klabawi. Guide Seeker. Chris Morales. Michael Graham. Barry Norton at Nortron Zero. Thurin Bullen at Mesker 23. Tori Patrick. Fayez Bilal. Louis James. Zach Duranto. Rachel Casterton at Urbion Ray. Muhammad Kayam. Zelda Clone at Apes Type Novels. Darren Matthews at Doomster73. Joseph Robertson at Pokemon Trainer J. Alex and Rachel Trotman at Akira Namjin. Keith Field at The Mighty Keith. Billy Jackson at Underscore Billy Jackson. Miles Ribbons. David Calro. Chris Pope at Dr. Pop181. Janik Naud at Janik Naud. Freya Stella. Hunter Morgan. Flip Sadness. And Tom Hughes. Thank you all so much, guys. Thank you, guys. Okay, so Final Fantasy's best girl. As I said, this was actually suggested by uh, Zell Dinked on the Discord as kind of a joke question. Of course, Zell would do a joke question. Yeah, that right? silly Zell. Silly Zell. Um, but he, the question actually was, is Yuna best girl? And mm. I thought, well, you know, we could talk about Yuna for half an hour and why she is fantastic. Mm -hmm. We've probably done that before, actually. Um, but let's just make it a broader topic. Mm. So we've got a large list of fantastic woman from over the years and uh, we're going to debate who is the best girl hmm. and we're going to start things off with maria 
Yeah, don't remember much right, about her. Right, she's dumb. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was just like back in the day, they just kind of had, they just kind of had female, female protags. Like, I mean, I'm probably doing her a massive um, injustice here because I don't really remember too much of Final Fantasy 2. Well, I mean, I would say in uh, your defense here, mm. Final Fantasy 1, 3, 3 did not have the most detailed stories. And Final Fantasy 2 specifically, like, sure, there was the there were four main characters, mm-hmm. a couple more of, of uh, kind of ancillary playable characters. Yeah. They didn't have the most built-out backstories. Mm. Although having said that, Final Fantasy 2 was expanded by the novel. Well, they were, there was like a bit of a, there was a bit of a story with Final Fantasy 2. Oh yeah, no, I'm like, not saying there wasn't a story, it's just not parents, on the uh, the par of the later games, let's say. Yeah, but like she had her parents die and stuff and... Standard. Yeah, and um, she has this desperate urge to defeat the Empire, which is obviously pretty, evil in the game. Pretty common. Um, and yeah. Yeah, that's pretty much... Sounds like you just summed up every single protagonist in the history of the franchise. <laughs> yep. And uh, she's the romantic partner to Firion in the novel. And that's yes. pretty much it. Uh, it is more substantial than that. Yeah. Uh, you are very much uh, summarizing her story yeah. there. But I think compared <clears throat> to some of the later female characters, yeah, the early ones didn't really have too much depth. She paved the way. Final, Yeah, exactly. And Final Fantasy IV is where the story started to get a bit more built out. Mm. But even still, I remember when we were doing Cecil's Origins, Rosa, it was a bit weird. Like her, how, how she responded to Cecil. Mm. She often didn't really get to do what she wanted to do. No, no. Like that was seems to be the case with both of them, both um, Rydia and... Rydia and Rosa kept getting told, you need to stay behind. We have to protect the women and children because women and children are the future. Yay. And then they would be like, you know what? Actually, we're not going to listen yeah. to you. Hashtag deal with it. And um, but yeah, I think um, I think Rydia is kind of like she's one of the earliest sort of um, female characters that people really rallied behind. Like uh, there's there's so many people um, even now who who just love Rydia and think that she's such a cool character, which she is. Like she's this little summoner and you get to watch her grow up in the game, which is something that's different for a lot of other characters. There's... I think it was also nice the level of maturity she had, despite mm. the fact she was quite young. Like she literally watched Cecil and Kane eradicate her village and kill yeah. her mom. And yeah. then she was like, you know what? I'm going to be kind of angry immediately mm-hmm. but actually Cecil <laughs> you don't seem like that much of a bad guy and yeah. I kind of believe that you were manipulated so yeah we're cool yeah we're chill chill um and of course yeah I mean the fact that she can summon things is pretty cool I would be uh very happy to be able to summon things yes that'd be fun um but yeah Rosa she heals things she was she was just yeah she was just like your quintessential female character support cecil i love you boo don't yeah, do bad I think, things i think uh, you know yeah basically. i got sick i got sick <laughs> the back lung i'd say that yeah yeah there, there were a, a couple of characters that female characters that fell into that and uh really it was i kind of i guess sellers who kind of broke away from that yeah. quite a lot and faris as well yeah um the sellers was the one that really was kind of like no i'm actually an independent person yeah i'm like a one of the strongest 
uh, soldiers in the empire. But getting back to getting back to Ferris before we just skip over her. I mean, the fact that like Ferris, she's she's actually she is one of my favorites. She's one of my favorite characters because she's a freaking pirate. It's amazing. Like she's so boss. She's so sassy. Um, she has an entirely different way of speaking, which uh, the earlier characters uh female characters didn't really have like she actually speaks like a pirate which is like so cool like yar yeah um but yeah no i love i love ferris in Final fantasy 5 i think that she's just yeah yeah she's she's just so cool she was like sort of my first my first love yeah i mean you say that maria obviously she was she paved the way because she was the first mm. one um, but I'd say that, yeah, Faris was the one that really kind of broke the mold a little bit mm. in terms of what a female character could be. And then they carried that on with six with Terra and Sellers because yeah. with although they were um, kind of mages as part of what they were, Terra was completely different because even though she was this kind of weak person to start off with, uh, by the end, she's actually quite really strong. Mm. She doesn't really understand her strength. and But she's not a damsel in distress as such. And uh, I think the the good thing about Terra was that she wasn't the love interest. Mm. Like it was the first time where like arguably the main character, because you could make a case for other people too. Yeah. But arguably the main character wasn't in a romantic relationship. Like she just wasn't interested in that. And instead she found her calling by being a parent. Mm. And I think that that's really powerful and really, um, really nice that she... It wasn't deemed as something that was been like sort of, um, I guess, tarnished or like she was falling into a trope. She really wanted to help people and she really wanted to help the village because they lost all of their parents and they needed somebody to guide them. And one of them was pregnant and, you know, they needed to she stepped in and was just like, I'm here to help. I want to help. And it's. It's, it was really nice that they didn't they didn't make it at all patronizing or like um sort of tropey it was really it sincere. was really sincere and um she she really didn't want to fight because she just didn't want to do it anymore like she just she <laughs> she killed a lot of people when she was possessed and she was fed up with seeing so much pain that she was just like actually no I don't want to do and that. And also with the, the fiends kind of attacking the village, they mm. needed someone there to protect all the people. Yeah. And I think the way they handled it, it was just so unexpected mm. to be like, oh, Terra, like this teenage girl who you'd expect to go down a certain path based on how they'd done stories to that point. Mm-hmm. It just was so different. Mm. And I think it's really a testament to Kataze as well, because although he did have a creative input on five, Six was the first time where he was really able to kind of push things out. And they tried these new uh, ways of story writing as well, yeah. where different um, different creative people on the project got given different characters that they would look after. And um, I think like Nomura, for example, had Shadow. Yeah, Shadow um, and uh, Setzer. And I can't remember who Sakaguchi had, but Katazi had other ones. Mm-hmm. Um, there was uh, a female writer as well that I cannot remember the life of. <laughs> her name um but they all had uh, like two or three characters each yeah and what they would do is they would write the scenes from their character's perspective and then join them together Mm. and so obviously whoever had terror like it was just so they they just had this kind of creative burst they just kind of wrote it all down and then they went back to the team and they were all just like 
that's actually a really good idea. Let's put it in the game. Mm. And like, especially with those like around that era, I think the way that they came up with things was was really interesting. Like the fact that Kataze wanted to have Sid die, mm. but then other people in the team were just like, well, maybe you should like have some way of saving him. So yeah. it's like, okay, fine, I'll do it. It's just going to be really hard. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But um, I mean, yeah, on from that, I mean, you also have... Um, you also have Celeste, who is really, really, really strong. She's strong in a different way. I mean, she knew what she did and she knew where she'd come from and she was done with it. And she um, she just kind of is atoning for what she's done throughout the game. And um, I mean, you have a moment in the game where the um, uh, lock especially just doesn't doesn't necessarily forgive her and feels as though she's betraying them still. Which and, I guess um, is quite an interesting angle as well, because mm. she, as you said, she's trying to atone and it, it's showing how even if, if you've done these bad things and you're trying to make amends, your reputation precedes you. Yeah, and, and Locke kind of gave her the benefit of the doubt, but when push came to shove, he didn't. Yeah. Even though she hadn't done anything wrong, he just believed that, that she had. Mm -hmm. Is that exactly? Because the bad guys said so. It's like, they're yeah. the bad guys, Locke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they're going to say whatever to just ruin all of your stuff because Celeste is a pretty powerful, uh, a pretty powerful knight. And we don't want her on your side because we'd rather her fight for us. Um, but yeah, uh, she has also one of the most powerful moments in the game if you get it by killing Sid when she tries to commit suicide um <clears throat> which is just so crazy um that you have that option and then also the opera scene which is pretty cool um but yeah she just has such such an amazing story in uh six that you could even argue that she's the third protagonist that her lock and um her lock and Tara pretty much share the top role. And yeah. then aside from that though, you have Little Realm, who's kind of like the beginning of the Riku Yuffie type trope. Yeah. Aiko. Like she's she's cute. I mean she's really adorable. kind of started it. <clears throat> yeah. But she's she's really she really was the beginning of the of the sort of cute bubbly little sass queen character and uh but yeah like i wouldn't i wouldn't consider her my favorite i think my favorite of that game is celeste 100 mm. percent. i love tara but like celeste is just so cool i think also how they handled romance in that game was good because as we said tara mm. didn't really have it celeste did with Locke, but it was very kind complicated of. yeah and yeah. they didn't have a romance scene it was very subtle yeah and obviously Locke was still grieving over rachel yeah um and it was them oh, trying to kind of deal it. with uh, deal with those situations yeah. and then obviously then when they went to final fantasy 7 mm. um as we're just about to cover in the next video we're talking about the the, the dynamic they came up with was really interesting for that game mm. uh, they knew when they were making it that they wanted to have a main character and a heroine um that would obviously been something that they'd done with the earlier games but they wanted to have the heroine be much more prominent than they'd ever done before because really within four, Rosa's kind of a secondary character. She doesn't yeah. really go around and get too much involvement. But Aerith, they wanted her to be kind of front and center along with Barrett and Cloud. And then they'd have the other characters as kind of the secondary characters. Um, but as they were going through, 
obviously Nomura is now kind of famous that he he was like he's made the suggestion around why don't we have one of the main characters die mm. in the past it obviously had characters die but no, never one of like the main the main main characters yeah and uh when they did that they realized that well okay she's the, she's the main female character we have if we kill her off we don't have one anymore yeah um so they made tifa to kind of counterbalance things and uh, they wanted the, the two to play off each other and have this kind of weird love triangle with cloud where it's really down to interpretation who you think is what but i think the good thing was that because they had this dynamic Aerith had enough of a of a base to make her an independent character tifa the same and um they didn't really rely on anyone else for their development either like mm. Aerith, her big deal is that she's this like like um the last Ancient, of her kind yeah. and she has all this power she's like the most powerful person in the, in the party really yeah but it's just this hidden power that you don't really appreciate until right at the end of the game yeah when you're like whoa okay holy is pretty strong well yeah <laughs> um and then tifa obviously she she has this kind of inner strength like she beats people up with her fists mm. and um although she's obviously not as powerful as cloud she has a lot of um a lot of grit and determination and but is dealing with a lot of stuff mm -hmm. and i think yeah the, those two were were an interesting uh evolution on terra and sellers because they were they were quite similar in some ways but also like really different yeah yeah because obviously like tifa is kind of like the tough celeste type one and Aerith is more of the uh carer type person the motherly type person um but i really did I, uh, it's hard. I, I like them both. I don't love them both, if that makes sense. Like, I, I do like Tifa, but I think it's hard because I don't really like how they've written, I don't really like how they wrote her in. I think the difficulty with both of those characters is that, I guess, they don't really act like protagonists in a way because mm. both of them don't really help Cloud. Mm. Like they do help Cloud, but but ultimately, like they they see there's problems with Cloud and they kind of ignore them. Yeah, like Aerith with the whole relationship with Zach. Like she tries to pretend that Zach never really existed. She doesn't really want to talk about it with Cloud. Uh, and Tifa is the same. Like they they kind of want to skirt around the past a lot and, and basically make him feel comfortable about who he is, even though they know he's a mental psychopath. <laughs> uh, and, and then like <laughs> later on... punches yeah. Aerith yeah, in I the mean, face. Like, there's the scene that everyone really seems to forget about where Cloud literally beats Aerith. Yeah. And and obviously like with Tifa, he, he has moments too. Mm -hmm. um, it's There's a weird dynamic between all of them. And as you said, like, yeah, they are... They're very strong characters, but they're not... Like they're likable but mm. not lovable. Yeah, yeah. Like I've, I just, like yeah, like I, I yeah, <laughs> I just don't. I just they're not. They're not my favorite. My favorite things. And maybe it is because of the way that that they were brought in. Like, well, Aerith was sort of there from the beginning, but like Tifa was just kind of brought in to foil Aerith, so to speak, and to be there as a presence. So I thought I just kind of felt that when I was playing the game that like yeah she just she's just kind of there, um, but 
but Yuffie is really sweet. Like I used to hate she's her. She's even worse but, though. She's literally just but there. She literally you may not is. even be I there. I know, I know. You may not even get her, but like I just like her. Like I I just think she's funny. She's a good comic relief character. She, when I played the game originally, she was probably my favorite character just because <laughs> like female character because of how sassy she was. I always yeah. had her in my party. Yeah. Just because I just loved just the sass, the fact that she's like this tiny little girl who's rocking around with this massive shuriken yeah. and just goes up and smacks people with it. I loved it. Yeah, and I love her her sort of side quest with the pagoda where you're going up and you're fighting all of these people and they all like yell at you and say and think, bad things about I think you. that's the funny thing about those older games as well because she had such a personality mm without really doing that much because pretty much whenever she dropped into the scene she would always like start punching in the air yeah and and just like she'd make some little sass comment and then she'd fly away somewhere yeah yeah no she was brilliant um but yeah and then um moving on to Final Fantasy 8 which was a bit different like there was more emphasis on the romantic relationship than there was in seven because they want it to be a romance game. Um, so obviously like Renoa is like the ingenue. Um, but yeah, I mean, I used to love Quistus. Like when I was growing up, like she was like my fave, but like playing it recently, I just realized how thirsty she is. And I'm just like, Oh my God, girl, calm yourself. Like I mistook love for something else yeah yeah by the way i'm excusing the fact that i was like acting like a five-year-old um and like constantly annoying the crap out of you excuse all that because i just thought you were my brother and <laughs> or yeah. sorry you, yeah I, no no yeah like i, like I mistook my, love like, for my brother yeah. as love as a partner I, 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 it was weird it was weird it was odd yeah. but yeah i don't and, like selfie was adorable um she was but a bit like aloof, like I don't know about you, but like sometimes when she spoke, when she was like really direct, I didn't really expect it from her. Selfie, yeah, yeah, she was like weirdly psychotic. Yeah, like weirdly, like when when the things were going on with like Renoa, um, uh, talking to the Temporals like about their contract and stuff, like Selfie would say things that were a bit like determined like uh we better get paid for this or like something like that um i don't think that was the line like don't quote me on that but like it was just something that i just wouldn't have expected from her yeah she was like this in some ways she was kind of bipolar she, yeah. she had these really differing person like one side she's like this cutie everything and then all of a sudden she'd be like dead serious yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and you're just kind of like oh okay um but I, think, I did love the development of her with like Trabia Garden. Like I thought that was really nice. Yeah, and like the relationship she had with Irvine was was nice as well. But I think yeah. like because there was such a focus on Renoa, mm. it kind of feels like one of the weaker games for, for female characters. And like yeah. Renoa was nice and all. Yeah. Uh, and like she had a lot of development and it wasn't necessarily revolving around school either. Like she had a lot of things relating to her past and and never really kind of getting over the death death of her mother mm-hmm. um and like that kind of carried through and she obviously had to deal with becoming a summoner without a uh, sorceress without really ever asking to be yeah um but i just felt like yeah like the the supporting cast wasn't quite as, as strong as we had because yeah we'd had like tara and Celes, and then we'd had tifa and Aerith, and then we had just renoa 
And maybe that was intentional because of um, what she was. Yeah. But um, then Final Fantasy IX, they were <laughs> like, you know what? Let's just tick every box. Yeah, yeah. Let's tick them all. Tick yeah. them all. Yeah, there's so much development in um, Final Fantasy IX. Because obviously Garnet is the main female and she mm. is so strong and independent. And mm. I think that's one of the great things about Nine, where Zidane is the main character, but most of the time he's just following Garnet. Like yeah. he's doing what she wants. It's very rarely that Zidane takes the lead. Mm. Obviously, like right towards the end of the game, that, that kind of happens. But mm. pretty much until they go to Terra, it's Garnet doing what she wants she's the one making all the decisions everyone's looking to her to determine what to do she's the one that runs away and everyone tries to follow her and figure out what she's doing yeah like she is like such a strong woman even though she's what like 16 17 yeah yeah i mean she knows what she wants um but yeah she's really really fierce um and then freya mm. obviously like she i think i was reading something the other day where she's like a feminist dream in terms of final fantasy characters because she's not as she never has to be rescued by anyone she doesn't like have any interest in the main character although there is the scene where he tries to hit on her yeah and she's like no nah, you're right yeah um she ends up obviously like going after the man that she wants they end up like kind of together which is fine like and she's obviously like really really strong and, yeah. and like like can very much handle herself yeah i mean like that's the thing isn't it you first meet her uh during like the festival of the hunt don't you yes and she's just like yeah i'm bossing it by like zidane nah you're fine I'm, I'm i'm gonna win this thing um but yeah and then she's just so she's so great because she does have such a mixture of just really like sort of clear strength physically but then like emotionally she's also still distraught because she's dealing with the with sir fratley forgetting well, and her and I, then the fact that her whole town um Bermesia, was just completely annihilated by um and I, I remember that as well when we were doing uh the zidane video mm. that um after clara was was decimated too mm. she's really kind of down and zidane's just completely oblivious to it and, yeah and like she's trying to process the fact that yeah like Burmesia and then clara like the two kind of bastions of her race have been yeah. just wiped yeah clear and she's lost all of that she doesn't know where um kind of sir fratley is who's like the champion well yeah. no she, he came in and then left yeah because he didn't remember who she was yeah yeah he has amnesia like that's the hard that's one of the hardest things is when somebody who you love and had all this past with just doesn't even remember you like i can't even imagine dealing with I that i do think it's nice though that they they had them back together in the end yeah it's not that he remembered who she was it's that, yeah. that he grew to love her again yeah yeah it's sweet um but yeah i loved i love her role and she's definitely one of my favorite and then characters. obviously like opposite her you had beatrix mm. who was like justice like you know queen uh like uh the queen's she's kind of celeste but like before she's just like you know she celeste when you meet her she's already like aware of the fact that the empire is terrible whereas beatrix she's still in it she's still believing in the empire and she doesn't realize what she's doing is bad until later in the game she doesn't realize that like the person she's serving is actually not not a good person until near the end of the game and um i think it was nice that they did that because yeah. it, 
they do like when we did the sid evolutions video uh recently it's it's it was quite i think um unexpected for people to find out how often sid even though he's supposed to be a good guy mm-hmm. ends up helping the bad guys mm. by accident often and yeah there are numerous games like final fantasy 6 where the empire like people are just like um like general leo as well like he's not a bad guy mm. they they end up following bad people and then they end up having to do these things that they don't necessarily want to do but they do it because they're loyal mm. And it's it's such a difficult situation because it really, really when you do what Beatrix did and you're like, I'm going to turn my back on everything, that is a, you can't go back from that decision. No. And everything you've worked up to at that point is gone. I think a lot of people can sort of relate to that as well in the sense that like, you know, you believe one thing your whole life and then all of a sudden someone shows you actually, no, what you believe is actually might not be as good as you as you think it is. And then it can change your entire your entire perspective of everything that you've ever done and sort of coping with that. I mean, at the end of the game, she um, she puts down her sword, doesn't she? She doesn't want to do it anymore. She's she's wants to retire, um, which is yeah amazing like she's just yeah she's she's so cool i love beatrix so much um and then you have little aiko little teeny tiny aiko who is like honestly annoyed the crap (laughs) i mean that's the whole point right she's supposed to be incredibly annoying but i did love how she just kept chasing after zidane i know i think i need to replay it again to like really because there has to be something that we're missing you say about quisis being thirsty but aiko for a four-year-old or six-year-old or whatever she is seriously thirsty that is a bit weird honestly bit weird but yeah um and then we get on to final fantasy 10 yuna yuna like i i really like yuna i like her more now than i did when i was younger when i was younger i really hated her because I just didn't like that she didn't communicate well with the party. She kind of, like, did her own stuff and, like, threw caution to the wind. And I think, like, the party could have helped her a bit more if she had talked to them about what she was up to, what she was planning. Um, But... Very similar to Aerith, actually. Yeah. Because Aerith doesn't tell anyone anything. No. And, like, really, they're both very strong and Mm. both very powerful um and i think with yuna yeah it's like that she had that like weird passive strength mm. you know like where and i think Aerith is the same like they were both like really kind of blase about a lot of things like oh don't worry about it it's all good fine whatever and then like you kind of get under the surface which we didn't ever get to do with Aerith. Mm. like it's nice that they had that kind of reveal of yuna that mm. this really put together person who not like she constantly gets ridiculed by other summoners because of her lineage and it's just kind of water off a duck's back water off a duck's back just kind of ignore it like the fact we get to see the other side of that when she does like show the cracks of of, uh, like what it's actually like to show show, um uh shoulder this burden yeah with Aerith, we never got to see that yeah because she died yeah yeah and you she's just this perfect person still even in like Advent children it's just like oh yeah no i'm still saving the world yeah and i think that's the thing as well i think maybe some people put Aerith on a pedestal because she was killed prematurely um it's like that thing isn't it like you think that somebody's like amazing like um 
like Kurt Cobain from like Nirvana, like people remember him as like a god, like for grunge music. And it's like, oh my God, you're so amazing. Or James Dean. But it's just like James Dean only did like three movies in his entire career. So like with Aerith, I feel like because she was sort of the quote unquote biggest death, I would say, because there's a lot of deaths that happened before her and other Final Fantasies. Um, she's like the biggest character death um, in sort of recent history of uh, Final Fantasy games. We we like to put her on a little pretty pedestal. Yeah, I mean, we, we referenced as well, like the cloud beating her. After that, she's just like, don't worry about it. It's yeah, good. it's all chill. Um, but yeah, with Yuna, I like, yeah, I, I really do. I do like Yuna, but she's not my favorite girl. Um, even in that game, Lulu, I, I really connected with for some reason. Like I just, I just found her to be really fascinating. Um, <clears throat> cause she has quite a lot of backstory as well. She's one of, um, she just has a surprising amount of depth with the fact that she's, she wasn't just the guardian of Yuna. She was the guardian of like a couple other people. Um, Lord, uh, Whatever his name is. Uh, uh, the Blitzball yeah. player. I can't remember. The guy who meets Holland? you in the Carmlands. O'Holland? O'Holland? Potentially. And then uh, the one that died. In... And then the one that died um, in the Carmlands. Belgamine. No, no. Um, Jochen? Yeah. I think that's right. Lady Jochen? Yeah. Um, so, like, she's already gone through... Zook, wasn't it? Father Zook. Zook, Zook, that's it, that's it. O'Holland wasn't featured, I don't think. I no, think he, he was like, he, actually beat he was a summoner, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, he, he defeated Sin, yeah. didn't he? Uh, sorry. Um, but yeah, um, yeah, with her, like, I mean, she's already gone through two pilgrimages. Both have failed, but one of them ended up with, like, one of the person who she's supposed to be protecting dying. Like, that's a lot to hold on to. And then on top of that, the fact that, like, her fiancé died as well at the hands of sin um it's just yeah i think she's dealing with a lot i liked her as a character but there was the one scene that just kind of it it was so uncharacteristic I of know, her i know it just mean. it's hard like i never like she was say the, the one, scene say the scene what yeah it's the one just before unaleska where she's like the teachings all these years and it's like well like you're the most liberal of the people like, you literally don't care about most of Yevon. You don't care about the Crusaders or whatever. Like, you're you're just so, like... I mean, she doesn't even care about the Albed. Mm. She is... She, yeah, she's very liberal with how she wants to take Yevon. Mm. Um, and then all of a sudden, she, like, becomes this devout person who's, like... It was the only thing we held on to. And it's like, really? Really, Lulu? Yeah. Is that, is that your thing you're going to say right now? I know. It just wouldn't... It just, yeah, I agree. It, it doesn't like, seem... If Wacker had said that, I would have been perfectly acceptable because yeah. he was like this devout Yevonite. Lulu was never positioned as that kind of character. And that was so weird for me. It, kind, it, it Yeah, it just really, really took me away. And then obviously yeah. in, in Ten Two, 2 um, like they kind of removed her a little bit from things. Yeah, yeah. Which no, was a bit of a like shame. Like I know it. they wanted to have like the girl power thing with like the youngsters and stuff, but I think mm-hmm. it... She still had a lot more to bring. Yeah. Yeah. And to sort of be tossed aside to become just like a sort of out of out of um, camera um, matron 
or yeah, because maternal like really, type person. Uh, she was like Yuna's big sister mm. and she'd always been there to give her advice. And I guess the weird thing was that after 10 finished, it's like Lulu never existed. And yeah. like, and I guess that was the sad thing in terms of their relationship because they were very, very close. Waka was obviously very close with uh, Yuna as well and, and Kamari. Mm. And it seems like for whatever reason, at the end of the game, she just kind of forgot they all existed. Mm. Like Kamari had been with her since she was like six. Yeah. And he was literally with her her entire life, never leaving her side. Then all of a sudden he's like, no, I've got to go to Ron- Ronzo. See you later. Peace yeah. out. Yeah. Gagazette, sorry. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, he had Riku. Who continued the, uh, the Yuffie realm. Yeah, but she, she was really sweet as well. Like, I mean, I like her more in 10 than I do in 10-2. In 10-2, I find her a bit, a bit irritating. 10-2, she was a bit harsh. Yeah, especially in, um, final mission, or last mission, I just found her to be a bit, um, immature. Yeah, uh, but, no, I really, I really do like, I really do like Riku and how she just really tries to get Yuna to stop her pilgrimage because she cares about her. She does. Um, but yeah, as I said, like, she just is a bit harsh in the intent to. She's mm. very selfish, mm. which I just didn't really expect because in 10, um, her and Sid, they, they, they obviously do have the selfish side, but the Albed generally come across, across as quite caring people mm. that are trying to just help people. And then all of a sudden, she's just like, Yuna, why don't you want to do these things for yourself and do this, do that? And she's like telling her how to live her life. And it's like, well, I don't want to do these things, actually. Mm-hmm. Leave me alone, please. Yeah. Um, and then obviously there's Pain in ten two, who's like really cool and awesome. She was ahead of the uh, part of the Crimson Squad. She was really strong. Um, but I guess like the evolution of her was then lightning. Yeah, who was very similar character traits. I feel mm. like they both had the kind of no crap attitude that that people some some people liked, some people didn't like. I think like Lightning was really a, a a kind of Marmite character because some people were really turned off by how callous she was. Mm. It was just really unexpected. Um, but I think it worked well with her and Sarah, like mm. the, the balance they had and, and lightning kind of growing and, and going and getting a bit of emotion. But obviously as the, the, uh, franchise evolved by the end of it, she was a completely different character in literal sense. Like yeah. lightning in lightning returns is not the same lightning as in the original game. She's yeah. had kind of her emotion stripped from her. And I think a lot of people struggled with that because mm-hmm. she wasn't the best character in the first place from yeah. an emotional perspective and then to have her like basically being Bunavelle's pawn by the end of it was I don't know it was, it was it, a weird choice it was, it was a, a weird, weird choice. choice um and then obviously you have like Fang and Vanille who are like they're cool but I, I still feel like they're a bit shallow in comparison to like someone like Celeste or someone like Terra, like they just felt like they were. I mean, all of those. That that was yeah. the problem with thirteen in general. They're like, kind of shallow. Even Lightning was quite shallow. Yeah, and then, uh, I mean, you had we had quite a few people in Final Fantasy fourteen. Um, quite a few of the leaders are um are women. Um, the head of the nations. Um, we didn't. 
play much of 14 just because time um so i can't really comment too much about them but they were they i thought it was really cool that like pretty much the majority of the nations in rome were born were were women like that's pretty cool um and then final fantasy 15 you had luna freya and luna Eris freya as well oh yeah Eris. yeah you had Eris as well um and aranea and aranea yeah but yeah, again, they didn't really, them. it was kind of like 13, but worse in terms of their substance. Yeah. They didn't really have much of anything. Uh, Luna Freya was a nice character. And I, I think, the, to be honest, the thing I liked most about Luna Freya was not her relationship with Noctis. It was her relationship with Ravis. Mm. Like, yeah. There was a lot more substance to that relationship than the one she had with Noctis. Is that like the, is it like one of the first like sort of brother sister things in that i mean i know riku and brother are brother and sister but like i don't know if there's been any siblings in sort of protagonist antagonist role in the past i mean technically eight but they're not blood siblings yeah they're like adopted siblings but like yeah it's like it was nice yeah i think i would have liked to have seen more of that and it's a shame because obviously the dynamic they were supposed to have within the original script was was going to be much more pronounced mm. what we ended up with in final fantasy 15 was kind of cut back significantly and you have to really read between the lines to figure out what's going on it's told in like a completely out of order and then they embellished on it a little bit with um, episode ignis mm. but yeah i think their the relationship that they had was was much stronger and like it's a real shame because i think luna freya on that basis alone could have been a really good character mm. they just didn't really know what to do with her yeah like, she was a plot device yeah essentially and, and it's a shame that she was um relegated to that yeah so if we're looking back yeah. then lawrence who who uh who's going to be your your best girl freya freya yeah freya i think she's just perfect not ferris not sellers uh probably like celeste close second but freya is definitely my fave how about you daryl's i don't know like i i feel like i really like garnett mm. um even though she does kind of fall into some of the tropes with, with regards to like having to be saved and stuff she's just such a like i don't know she's like a bull yeah <laughs> she's yeah. just like i am doing this yeah and i don't think any of the other characters really had that in the same way like yuna did have the the kind of direction that she wanted to go in she was kind of the leader and people were following her mm. but it wasn't in the same way mm. it it was like i've got to do my pilgrimage mm -hmm. and sure like every now and again there was the moment like where she defies yevon she makes that decision and, and then people follow her but it wasn't it wasn't like the same as garnet like i feel garnet had this kind of red mist to her where like the fact that she's just like right hair gone name yep. change done yeah like let's, come on guys let's yep. get on with this yep. like there's no yep. time to dwell on all that stuff and like yeah she just kind of runs away she does her own thing she's not afraid of anything mm. she, like you know obviously she wasn't necessarily afraid but she had like all these guardians around whereas Garnet was like i'm doing this on my own thanks yeah and you know again did have that thing where she confronted seymour but it just felt like with Garnett, it was much more ingrained in her as a character. Mm. Whereas with Yuna, as we said, it's like this weird kind of passiveness to her mm -hmm. where it's kind of unexpected that she would have this uh, grit and determination. And I know as we covered, that's one of the things they wanted to do with her in terms mm -hmm. of they wanted to show that people that seem weak and fragile mm -hmm. can actually have a lot of strength. Mm. 
Um, but I kind of prefer Garnett because she was just a boss. <laughs> yeah, it just didn't come off. It didn't come off at like as like a sort of petulant, stubborn person, which is how I felt with Yuna. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was a that was a nice little thorough investigation, I think, Daryl's. Mm. Very thorough. And I don't yeah. know if we have too much time for questions. So we're <laughs> gonna we're gonna try and do all of these, but we may skim through something quite quickly. Yeah. So the first one is from and these are all from Discord, by the way. So if you want to ask any questions to us, head on the Discord server. If you just go on uh, finalfantasyunion.com, you should be able to find it pretty easy. There's a big link on the right hand side. Um, so this first question is from Alessia Sunfire, and they want to know, do you think Final Fantasy 16 will be MMO based? Uh, uh, and that's on the assumption that Yoshida was selected to work on a large scale project outside of Final Fantasy 14. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I think because, um, sorry, uh, I don't mean that. I don't mean that to be harsh. That was just for comedic value. Um, but Yoshi P, I think he's already said that they don't think that they're going to do another MMO. He told us that. Yeah, he did. Didn't he? <laughs> In our own interview. <laughs> yeah, no, I specifically asked him if they were going to plan to do another MMO because we have kind of, we're around the same time, if not past the period of time where they, um, Final Fantasy 14 released in relation to Final Fantasy 11. Mm. And um, he basically said that because Final Fantasy 11 is still kind of trucking along, they don't really feel as though it's it's actually a good idea to have two MMOs for the same property mm. as it is. Mm. The only reason they did Final Fantasy fourteen was just because they felt it was the right thing to do at the time. But they made that decision like, I don't know, 15 years ago now and, and the marketplace has changed. And I remember him specifically referencing Blizzard because they tried to do a second MMO, I think around Warcraft, and it just didn't didn't work yeah like people weren't interested yeah and as as long as final fantasy 14 keeps on this upward momentum there's literally no reason for them to do another no. mmo so if it is indeed yoshida working on 16 i i have very much doubt it's going to be an mmo mm. um and then moogle 890 said uh what do you think about the potential for agnes philosophy video to be the potential final fantasy 16 um i Honestly, I don't know. I have reasons to believe that Agnes' philosophy might have died a death. I don't know. Um, I had a feeling that Tabata was the one who was working on Agnes' philosophy. Um, that's just based off like sort of rumors and sort of um, being cheeky and trying to investigate myself. Um, but like... I'm I'm thinking that maybe because Luminous Studios is in a state of disarray, that that is why Agnes' philosophy is probably not Final Fantasy 16. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it's pretty much not going to be Final Fantasy 16. I think a longer time ago it would have made sense because um, I would have loved it. Yeah, like everyone kind of wanted that to be the case, like, but that was pre the launch of Final Fantasy 15. Like after that. I think there was still the hope that it could become that, but Tabata obviously came out and said that he didn't want to do another Final Fantasy game. He wanted to do a new IP. Mm. So I think that pretty much shot down the the um, the Agnes philosophy being six Agnes philosophy being sixteen pretty much straight away because he mm. just said he didn't want to do another game. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I think the potential is pretty much none. And, and that's not to say that Agnes philosophy is not going to exist. We don't know what no. Luminous are working on. No, obviously we like, yeah, we don't know. They could very well be working on it without Tabata. 
Mm-hmm. Who knows? We we don't know. We, no. It's just really quiet with them from them at the moment. Mm. So this next one is from Furion, who asks, "Do you think Final Fantasy 16 should have action-styled uh, combat like Kingdom Hearts, or something more traditional like ATB or ADB?" I'm kind of torn. Um, I, I feel as though I've said in the past that I I really wish they would just pick something and then roll with it mm. because we that's how they developed Final Fantasy in the first place. They they had a combat style. They gradually built upon it for years and years and years. Final Fantasy X, weirdly enough, was the first time where it was quite different from mm. what had come before. It was it was much more um, aligned with the first three Final Fantasy games as opposed to four through nine. Mm. Um, and then after that, they just just kind of lost the plot a bit. Like ten two was was good because it's an evolution on um, from nine, um, but like. 13 was probably the closest we, we we had to kind of what I would want to see, but a lot of people don't like that. Mm-hmm. And then obviously they've just gone completely off the wall with, yeah, like Final Fantasy 12, uh, ADB was completely different. Um, Final Fantasy Type 0 was completely different. Uh, Final Fantasy 15 has then gone completely action focused. And it's just like, it, it's really diluted what it means to be a Final Fantasy game. Mm. So if they did now go back to a traditional ATB system, I don't think I think they would just cause a lot of problems. Yeah, because you've now they've split the fan base, and yeah. the best thing for them to do, unfortunately for us, is to just move forward with what they've decided. So I personally expect them to do something similar to fifteen. So it's mm. more action style combat, like Kingdom Hearts. Do I want that? Probably not. Mm. I, I feel like I would like to see a, a turn-based uh, game again. Like they've shown there are many games on the market that have turn-based still and they work and mm. they're popular. They're just not as popular as Square Enix wants them to be. And Square Enix don't have the confidence in themselves to actually say, this is what Final Fantasy is as a medium and people will like it. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing, like, the if, if a game's good enough, no matter what the gameplay style, people will buy into it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But yeah, no, I I, I think it's done. I think ATB is out of of Final Fantasy, essentially. Or if it's if it isn't it, it's going to be like the wait mode in Final Fantasy VII Remake. Yeah. I think it's just, they're not interested. Uh, like, the two directors that they had sort of going, which was Tabata and but Namora and maybe even to a degree Yoshi P they're not they're not necessarily um ATB type yeah Square Enix has become convinced that that their AAA games have to be action focused Mm. that no one's interested in turn-based and despite the fact that Octopath Traveler and games like that still actually do okay Mm -hmm. they're more convinced with by by looking at games like um uh I'm Setsuna and and Lost Sphere and and what was the new one called that they did recently i thought that was lost fear um no lost fear was the second one they just did another one i can't remember mm. the name of it um but yeah like they're convinced that those games aren't doing very well so therefore no one's interested in turn base they just refuse to look at persona mm. yeah 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 but then persona doesn't sell 10 million copies yeah or even just like their own game and um dragon quest um like it's pretty much been like the same but game again throughout. they don't sell 10 million copies no and I that's know. that's their objective they they yeah. want final fantasy to appeal more to a western audience and they're convinced that western audiences don't want role-playing games in that way 
which uh, who are we to say right they're the they're the specialists they I have know. all the insights into the market they know what consumers want not us we're just the consumers that may buy it <laughs> <laughs> okay so this next one is from echo who asks what do you think is the optimal recipe for a memorable mini game inside a final fantasy tunnel I honestly don't know. And I think the weird thing about mini games is that they're not actually as prevalent as people think they are in these mm. games. Final Fantasy VII had enough mini games for the entire franchise. <laughs> but outside of that, like they're quite sporadic. Like yeah. nine had a couple, 10 had a couple, but 13 had like none. Yeah. I 15 mean, had none, really. It was when we did when we did our recent video, wasn't it? We, we were really surprised at how little mini games were actually in it. And then like... You had the ones that were ad hoc into Final Fantasy IV that were really crap. Like the um, jumping hey, on the, on game and stuff. Oh, and the prayer game with um, Rosa. Yeah, Rosa's Meditations. Yeah, Rosa's Mediations or Meditations or whatever. Yeah, that's horrible. I, I, um, but I think like mini games in Final Fantasy, um, well, when they have to be fun. Um, <laughs> I'm just going to, I'm just going to carry this because memorable doesn't necessarily mean good yeah it's actually true because i remember the massage game i will remember the massage game for the rest of my life and like everyone remembers the final fantasy 10 mini games like yeah catch a chocobo and the lightning bolt yeah doesn't matter if they were good or not everyone remembers them because and the butterflies i, I don't know if they would dis- oh, i i forget the butterflies on purpose <laughs> <laughs> but yeah no no, I get what you mean. Like, they are memorable and, like, and, not in a good like, way. Like, you think about those ones, like, the lightning bolt challenge, the jump rope challenge in nine. They're really, really simple. It's just a matter of timing. Mm. And you've just got to time things mm. over a long period of time. Yeah. Which is what makes it so hard. But it's very mem- memorable because it's the same action. It's like, you know, a weird example, but it's like, why is Sonic music? Why is music from the older, like, SNES Mega Drive era so memorable? Because they knew it was going to leap after, like, uh, loop after, like, 30, 45 seconds. So they had to make it memorable. Yeah. Whereas a lot of video game music these days, they don't have those limitations that they can make these really sprawling cinematic pieces that don't have to have the same constraints. So they just, you just don't remember many of them. So, Really, the optimal recipe for me for a memorable minigame is having something that's small, short, repetitive, um, that doesn't really require too much skill, but actually has a deceptive level of requirements for skill. Yeah. And then you're good, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have much preference. The more ridiculous, the better. Um, And then the last one is from David, who asks, instead of being a traditional MMO, how would you feel about a Final Fantasy going down a different live service route? I actually wouldn't be opposed to it. I think even though it was not the plan for Final Fantasy XV, it ended up working out okay. Mm. I think the the level of engagement they had with the community was much further than we'd seen before. And I think based on the fact that they take so long to develop the games now, mm. it enabled Final Fantasy XV, despite it not being the best game in the franchise, to actually acquire a diehard fan base yeah which is really strange like how just how dedicated like final fantasy 15 fans are like it's really interesting because like it's the thing like i mean i'm not going to begrudge someone their interest in final fantasy 15 if you love final fantasy 15 that's it's really good for you but it's really like hard for me to 
wrap my head around well i guess it's no different to me really liking 10 and like not understanding like why yeah. don't, what what I mean, don't you like the mistakes were made so far obviously 15 wasn't planned to go down the route to batter made that decision it worked out pretty well for him mm. but i think the the mistake they made was not having the follow-up so but we all know that the games are taking longer to make now there's much bigger requirements on square for some reason square can't seem to keep up with the development cycles that other studios can Mm. in terms of like how often they can pump out games for their franchises and we have to wait five six seven years for the next game Mm. i was really really hoping that after uh 15 the live service model lasted like a year, year and a half. Really, it should have been two years, mm. uh, based on the DR second uh, season two, um, season second season pass. Um, if they'd had like the the next one to look after, look forward to, while that was going on, it would have kept people engaged with the company and with the brand. Yeah, and there was a lot of positivity around it. So all of those people that they they got completely engaged with fifteen would have been like we were in the past where. Mm. I got so invested in seven. And when I was done with seven, I already knew what was on the horizon. So I could get look forward to that. Yeah. Like eight was just like literally right there. And then nine was just right there. And then 10 was just right there. Mm -hmm. I didn't have to wait like five years for the next one. And in which case I've got so many other games now that are Mm. appealing for my attention. I don't want to wait five years for the next Final Fantasy game because I can play Cyberpunk. I can play The Witcher. I can play like all these other RPGs that there's tons of different RPGs that are coming out now. They're just coming out of everywhere. Yeah. And there's so much, you know, people can only have so much attention. They only have so much time. And they're, they're kind of treating Final Fantasy as this kind of cash cow where it's like, oh, don't worry, we'll put it out whenever. Obviously, the seven remake is going to fulfill that, but it's not an original game. Yeah, it's an original game in the sense that it's different, but it's a story that we already know largely. Yeah, I I would be much more excited for Final Fantasy sixteen right now than I would be for the seven remake. Yeah, yeah, but I'm also slightly nervous. <laughs> I'm just nervous. I don't want it to go down the route of like development hell. Yeah. So I guess to answer your question, David, I I would really. If they're going to go down that route, I want them to have a, a plan so that, mm. yeah, they they have the consistent engagement, still a solid story, but stuff to keep you occupied afterwards. And then there's a next step. Mm-hmm. There's a next step. Like Destiny and Destiny 2. Yeah. Like Destiny, they're, they're both live service games. There was enough stuff happening with Destiny that when like Destiny 2, it kept people engaged. They already had a pre-built audience for the next game and they just had to try and market it to new people on top. Mm. And it worked really well for them initially before they screwed yeah. up. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's it. That's it. Done. It was yeah. a very long episode. Bossed it. Yeah, bossed it. Air 5. <laughs> um so music this episode is from an arranger called kei suichi and it's an arrangement of besaid from final fantasy 10 hopefully you guys really enjoy it it's a slightly different take on the theme and i just also want to say that if there are any of you out there who would like to have your music featured on the show please do reach out to us on discord or on our twitter we would really like to feature as many musicians as possible so yeah we hope to hear from you soon the next episode of Final Fantasy Union is scheduled to come out on the 3rd of December 2019. Wow, Gone back December. to saying the years again. And actually, last episode, I forgot to update it, so I was <laughs> saying the episode was going to come out in the past. Good job, Denise. 
Congrats for everyone who noticed that.、Mm. Mm. <laughs> It's one of my classic teacher checks. Yes. Be sure, obviously, to check out all our news coverage at finalfantasyunion.com. And、uh, if you like what we do, why not head over to patreon.com forward slash ffkunion to see how you can support the show. All right, it's time for us to say goodbye, guys. Bye, everyone. I'm Daryl saying goodbye. This has been a finalfantasyunion.com production. <laughs>